0: I love to hear that. I love to hear that. I love that. I got a question for everybody. Okay, I got a question for you. Have you ever been frustrated while you're driving because of somebody else's driving? I mean, have you ever been frustrated because of the way somebody else drives? Huh? I think we all have. I think we've all been frustrated because of the way other people drive. And you know why you're frustrated? You know why you're frustrated? Because some people shouldn't be allowed to drive, right? I mean, some people should not be allowed on the road. Can I get an amen to that? I'm telling you. Say you should not be allowed to drive. I think my stress level would go so far down when I'm driving if some people weren't allowed behind the wheel. That you just, it's, it's just crazy with, with people driving of all the frustrations you get, right? I mean, let's face it. We all wanna drive this way. Everybody else just get out of our way, right? And wouldn't it be so much easier if everybody just got out of their way? But I do admit, I do get frustrated. I get frustrated when I drive, and when I get frustrated, something comes out of my mouth, okay? Something comes out of my mouth, and I do something with my hands, all right? I do, I admit that, okay? It's not what you think, okay? It's not what you think. Come on, come on. We're in church, but something does come out of my mouth. Something comes out of my hands. And one of the things that really frustrates me, really frustrates me, you get to the stoplight, right? You're at the stoplight. It turns green and the guy in front of you doesn't move. And you're thinking, it doesn't get any greener. Come on, let's go, let's go. Come on, it ain't getting get any let's go. And then finally I have to open my mouth. I have to open my mouth and I go, get off your phone. Because they're always on the phone, aren't they? they're always on the phone. Nobody's paying attention anymore. Why do people look at their phone? I mean, how dangerous is this? Don't look at your phone when you're driving. And they're always there going doing this, kind of doing this thing instead of paying attention. So it just drives me crazy. The other thing that drives me crazy, four-way stops. Oh, four-way stops. I'm telling you, Riverside Drive and Timberland, every day was stress until they put up that light. Now that light's a little too long. I mean, it takes too long to get through that. Now, I don't know what they're doing, the timing of that thing. It takes way too long. But anyway, it's just stressed me out all the time because of four-way stops. People don't know how to do it. People, when you get to a four-way stop, your job, okay, your job is to see who was there before you, okay? You see who's there before you, and then you wait till all of them go. And then it's your turn. Okay, so every day, I get there, I get to the stop sign, I see who's going, I wait my turn, it's now my turn, I go, and somebody cuts me off. Somebody cuts me off, and that's when they get it. They get my gesture, I do, I do, they get my gesture, I go, are you kidding me? My hands are up in the air, I'm doing this, this is my gesture. I get another gesture back from them, by the way, but um, (laughs) which is not that, but I get this because I just get so frustrated. Now, I don't go crazy on people. I mean, I'm not one of these road rage persons, okay? I'm not one of these. Speaking of that, have any of y'all ever been a victim of road rage? Anybody ever been a victim of road rage? That's awful. I'm so sorry you've done that. But I was actually looking up road rage. And if you knew the true definition of road rage, more of you would be raising your hands. See, road rage is just not some crazy person who gets out of the car and comes banging on your windshield because of what you've done. That is road rage, but it's actually broader. It, it involves more things. And so this is the definition of road rage. It's rude and offensive gestures. Yeah, mm mm-hmm. we know that, right? Verbal insults, threats, or dangerous driving methods, methods targeted towards another driver or pedestrian in an effort to intimidate or release Frustration. So this is road rage. Now, how many of you have been a victim of road rage, huh? That's it, see a lot more of us. Aren't you glad I didn't ask how many of you did this, right? I didn't ask that. But we've all had this problem. And here's the crazy thing about road rage, okay? This is the crazy thing about when our frustration. We're yelling at total strangers. I mean, we're just going off on people we don't even know. We're just letting everything come out of these people. We don't know their story. We don't know what's going on in their life, but we are just releasing all this frustration, just releasing this frustration. Here's another thing about road rage, and this is not about road rage. This talk, I promise, is not about road rage. I am gonna to get to a point, but there were some interesting things that I saw when I was looking this up. There's a study that shows that people who have stickers on their car, anybody has stickers on their, on their cars or any other kind of adornments on their car, you're more prone to have road rage. See? If you've got stickers or little bobbleheads or anything like that in your car, you're more prone to have road rage. And it doesn't matter what the stickers are. This isn't a this isn't a liberal thing or a conservative thing, a coexist thing. This isn't anything of that. It's just the number of stickers you have determines if you're gonna have road rage or not. And I thought that was interesting. Now I know what all you're gonna do after the service. You're going to walk out in that parking lot, and you're going to be looking at those cars, see who's got stickers, aren't you? Every one of you going to be looking to see who's got the stickers. You're going to be looking around there. Some of you are actually right now a little nervous. You're kind of sweating a little bit because you know you got stickers, right? You know they're on the car, and you go, oh, man, what are people going to think? Let me tell you what you're going to think. They're going to think, I'm getting out of your way. <laughs> this might be the easiest time you've ever got out of our parking lot. Because people are going to see you coming with all those stickers, and they're going to go, oh, get away from you. They're going to part away from you like Moses parted the Red Sea. It's going to be an easy time out. But here's the thing you need to know about frustration. And when I say frustration, I I use that word instead of anger because it just seems nicer. But it's the same thing. But here's the thing you need about frustration. Somebody else's behavior did not put that frustration in you. Okay? Okay. Somebody else's behavior did not put that frustration in you. It just brought it out of you, okay? Let me show you what I'm talking about. See this glass jar? I can take this glass jar, and I can shake it up. I can move it all over. I can do all these awful things with this jar, but it doesn't determine what comes out of it. What was already in it determines what comes out of it. And on a different note, anybody want a gummy bear? Here we got some. I love my gummy bears. Yes, you want some gummy bears after the service? Here we go. I love my gummy bears. But that's what we have to understand, y'all. Somebody else's behavior did not put the frustration in us. It was already in us. They just brought it out of us. So if you're with somebody and they just lose it, they just lose it, and they go, oh, wow, I don't know where that came from. You can say, I do. It came from inside of you. It was already in you. Yep, it was already inside of you. In fact, Jesus would say this. It was not only inside of you. It came from your heart. It came from your heart. In Matthew 15, he says this. He says, listen and understand. Listen and understand. He's drawing the crowd close to him. He said, I've got to make a point here. I'm going to kind of set everybody straight. Listen and understand. Remember, everywhere Jesus went, a crowd always traveled. People always wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to hear from Jesus. They wanted to just see Jesus. They wanted to see what he would do for them. They were always there. But in the crowd, there were always these dissenters. There were always some Pharisees. There were always some teachers of the law. And they were always trying to trip Jesus up. They were always trying to make him say something that might make the crowd go away from him. And what was happening on this particular occasion, that there were some Pharisees some teachers of the law that were questioning Jesus about the dietary law. The dietary law for, for Israelites, okay? And they were saying, they were talking to him about what somebody can and can't eat, what somebody can and can't put in their mouth. And they were talking about to Jesus, they were saying, you know, the oral law says that you have to do this ceremonial washing of your hands before you eat. Because if you don't and you put something in your mouth you're not supposed to, then you're not gonna be right with God. And we're noticing that your disciples, they don't do any ceremonial washing of their hands before they eat. So, they might not be right with God. Now, remember, God had given the Israelites these rules to follow, these laws to follow. And if you follow these laws, you're right with God. These are the laws that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, the the written law. Now, this isn't the written law that they're talking about. They're talking about the oral law. They had the written laws and the oral laws. The oral laws, most of the people didn't know because they weren't written down. So the Pharisees would always use these to kind of control people. They would kind of pull these out whenever they wanted to, to to lord over people and and, uh, and to hold people in contempt for different things. And Jesus wasn't taking any of it, wasn't listening to it. He looked at him. and he was like going, guys, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. You keep throwing these oral laws at everybody and you don't even keep the written law. So I'm going to set everybody straight. So everybody gather around and listen and understand. Listen and understand because this is what you need to know. He says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Jesus looks at the Pharisees, does the mic drop and takes off. He said, that's it, I've said my piece, I'm done. He's walking away. Well, as he's walking away, the disciples are going with him and they're kind of confused. And they were often confused by what Jesus talked about. They didn't always understand what he was saying. But they knew that under the written law, there was certain things you can and can't eat. And so they're trying to figure out, and they're going, Jesus, we know you're right, because you're always right, you're right. But can you kind of help us understand what you were saying? So Jesus looks at him and he goes, are you still so dull? (laughs) Are you still so dull? I think he was looking at his disciples like I do at the four-way stops. Are you kidding me with this? Are you really kidding me? How long have you been traveling around with me and you still haven't figured out why I'm here? See, I'm here to fulfill the law because you can't keep the law. So let me set you straight as well, okay? Let me help you understand. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, which is how the body works. We all understand that. It happens to us you know, a couple times a day, right? We all experience this. Goes in the mouth, out the body. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. They come from the heart and these defile them. See, Jesus was saying, this isn't a food issue. This isn't a what you eat issue. This isn't what you put in your mouth issue. This is a heart issue. And he says, if your heart's not right, what's gonna happen is all this frustration is gonna come out of you and it's what puts you at odds with God because it puts you at odds with the people that God loves. That when you let this stuff come out, you're at odds with somebody else, and this is odds against God because he loves these people that you're frustrated with, that you're letting all this frustration come out. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 4, he said, he said above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you say, everything you do flows from your heart. And so we have to guard your heart. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. What do we need to do to guard our hearts? And to guard our hearts, we've gotta make sure we get out the stuff that causes all of our frustrations. It causes us to be at odds with God because we're at odds with people that God loves. And today I'm gonna talk about how we can get out something that causes more frustrations in ourselves and with other people than anything else. Today, I'm gonna talk about guilt and shame. I'm gonna talk about guilt and shame. All of us carry around some guilt and some shame. Now, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're linked. But see, guilt is, I did something bad. Shame is, I think I'm bad. See, I feel guilty when I do something bad. But I feel shame because I think I am bad. And there's a lot of people who carry around shame, carry on thinking they're bad because they've done bad things. That's why it's so important that when you do something wrong, when you hurt somebody, that you make sure you address this, that you make sure that, that you restore this, that you get this out, you get it out of you because if you don't do anything about this, it starts to define you and that's when it can turn into shame. And see, if you don't attend to that guilt that you're feeling, if you don't attend to that shame that you're feeling, if you don't get this out, it evolves into anger. It evolves into anger because you're disappointed in you. You're disappointed in what you've done. You've disappointed in what you've done to somebody else. You haven't lived up to your own expectations, and so you're mad at yourself. You're just so frustrated with yourself because of what you've done. And the problem with anger is anger leaks. Anger spills out on the people around you. And because you're disappointed in you, you're disappointed in the people who are closest to you. Because you haven't lived up to your expectations, nobody else can live up to your expectations either. That's why we have to resolve this guilt. We've got to get it out of us. Because if we don't get this guilt and shame out of us, you're going to carry this around and it's going to throw your life off balance. Everything you do, you're going to be off balance. Your marriage is going to be off balance. Your parenting is going to be off balance. All your relationships are off balance. Because what happens is when you get frustrated with somebody, you now enter into a debt-debtor relationship. It's a debt-debtor relationship that you're in. Because when you hurt somebody, when you do something to somebody, you've taken something from them. You've taken something away from them. It could be their, their childhood. You took their childhood away from them. You might have taken their respect away from them, their time away from them, their money away from them, their self-esteem. But you've taken something from them and so you have this feeling, I owe you something. That's why when we, we, we hurt somebody, we say, I owe them an apology. I owe him an apology. I owe her an apology. And until we resolve this guilt and the shame that's in our heart, We're gonna carry that weight on us. It just feels like a weight and it controls everything we do, everything that comes out of us. That's why when you finally do resolve your guilt, what do you say? I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. I feel like a weight. But until you address it, until you do something about it, until you do what you had to clean out of you, you carry it with you everywhere you go. It affects everything you do I mean, you could have picked up this weight at work, but you brought it home now and it's affecting everybody in your household. You could have picked up this, this, this weight when you were in college and because you never resolved this, you never resolved this, you brought it into the next chapter of your life and the people that you're dealing with are seeing this come out of you and they weren't even part of when it first got to you in, you, in the first place. You might have picked up this weight on a business trip and now you brought it back into your marriage. And it's affecting everything that comes out of you because you have this guilt and shame. And here's the thing that most people don't understand about guilt. They don't understand the connection between their guilt and their anger. They're not understanding this is what's causing all this frustration to come out because they haven't addressed what's inside of them. And every time you try to bring it up to somebody You're trying to bring up and tell them what's going on. Their first thing is to always say, no, there's something wrong with you. They point it back at you, right? Because they don't want to address it. They don't want to address what's going on in here. And the reason why they don't want to address it, the reason why they don't want to face it is because when you face your guilt, you stand condemned. You did it. You hurt somebody. There's no recourse, is there? There's no recourse. You can't undo what you did. You can't unsay what you said. You can't be unfaithful. You can't unwork too much. You can't undrink too much. You can't give back somebody's childhood. You can't give back your first marriage. And so, what you do is you just try to move on, act like nothing ever happened. Or you try to deny your past. But you find you can't because it's gotten in here. And so it just keeps coming out. It keeps coming out. But here's what I want you to know. There's good news. I wasn't depressing you this long just to not to give you some good news, okay? There is good news because God offers another option. He gives us another option. And that option is talked about by the Apostle Paul. He says it best. Now remember, remember Paul? What you need to know about Paul is Paul had more guilt than anybody else in this room. He had more guilt than anybody else in this room. In fact, Paul had more guilt and shame than probably all of us put together. Because if you know Paul, Paul bursts on the pages of histories that Saul of Tarsus and Saul hated Christians. He thought everything that was wrong in the world was all because of Christians, and so what he did, he would arrest Christians, he would torture Christians. He would throw them in prison and he would execute Christians and then he became one and he had this guilt and the shame of what he had done. But in a letter that he wrote to Christians living in Nero's Rome, he talked about the option that God extended to him and extends to all of us. And this is what he says in Romans 8. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation There used to be condemnation, but now there's none. He's saying, I can face my past even though I can't erase it. I can stand before you guilty, but I'm not condemned. I no longer have to look at myself in the mirror and condemn myself for what I've done. I no longer have to live my life worrying that God is going to condemn me for what I've done. That God has provided me another option. And that option is found for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's saying if you would stand up and admit to what you've done. Admit your past. And then surrender your life to the Lordship of my son. You now stand uncondemned. Yes you're guilty. But you're not condemned. Condemned. And I'm giving you a way to walk in freedom. He said, this is how it happens. He said, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now let me explain what this is talking about. If you were born human, which is pretty much all of us, okay, we've all been born human. You were born under the law of sin and death. You remember, sin enters in the world through Adam in the garden and now we're all from the seed of Adam. So we're all under this law of sin and death which means that we have to live perfect lives if we're gonna be okay. Not one mess up, not one frustration, not one outburst. We don't hurt anybody. But if we do, we stand condemned and that's why we're all condemned. But he said, no, what happens is Jesus Christ died to set you free that he died to set you free. This is what he says. He says, for what the law was powerless to do, it was weakened by the flesh. Now remember when I was telling you earlier about the law, that God gave the law to the Israelites. You live by this, you're right with with me. That's what God was telling them. Well, he wasn't telling them to, to follow this law so they would be right with him. He was telling them to follow this law so they saw they couldn't do it. You and I have to understand we can't be perfect. We can't reach God's perfection and so what does he do god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering he sent a perfect son who took all of our sin all of our shame all of our guilt upon himself and he died for us he paid the price for us so it's as if we died when we put our life in his hands it's if we paid the price already. He says, and so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that, w- that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. What it's saying that in life you can either live under the law of sin and death or in Christ. Under the law of sin and death, one mistake, you're condemned. But when you give your heart to Christ and you live in Christ, he no longer sees your sin, he sees his son You've got a new lease on life. And if you're walking in freedom, you're not bound to the stuff that you have in your heart. It's time to get it out. Let go of it. He says, I died for it. Don't let this control you. It did control you in your past. It doesn't have to control you now. I've set you free. I've given you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, it says this. It says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out, of your, take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. You're no longer bound. You're not, no longer a slave to all of your frustrations, to all of your guilt, to all of your shame. He's giving you another chance. And that's why we need to guard our hearts. Don't let these frustrations control you. Don't let this guilt control you. And there's four things I want you to know that happens to you when you get this new heart, when you go in Christ, when you give your life to Christ. The first thing that happens is this. You forfeit the right to condemn yourself. You give up that right to condemn yourself because you're not yours. You've given your life to Christ. You're not yours. First Corinthians 6, 19 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You are not yours to condemn. You were bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are now free in him. Now what I want you to understand here is what I'm talking about. Yes, you get a get out of jail free card, but it's not a license to keep sinning. See, when you realize how much you have been forgiven, when you realize the sacrifice that was made for you, you now don't want that to come back into your heart again. Every little thing you do wrong gets in here and that's why we have to forgive ourselves to get it out or it's gonna keep coming out in our different relationships. You don't want that back in here. Don't condemn yourself. Clean that stuff out. Walk in those ways. You were bought with a price, so don't condemn yourself because God doesn't condemn you. Second thing is your past will remind you but it will not define you. Your guilt will remind you, but it will not define you. You did it. You're guilty, but you're not what you did. He condemned the sin. He didn't condemn you. Remember, Paul was talking about this in Romans 7. He was talking about, why do I keep doing things that I don't want to do? I want to do what I'm supposed to do, but I keep getting it wrong I keep messing it up. And he said, because it's not me anymore, it's the sin in me. And then he goes on to say this, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's no longer me, it's the sin in me. And what your guilt and what your sin and your worst day and your worst moment and the worst frustration that ever came out of you should remind you is the love that God has for you. That when you think about your past, when you think about what you've done, it should make you look up with thanks to God for what he has done. I love standing up here and worship and we're worshiping. What's great about being up here is I get to see y'all worship. And there's times that I look out and I see people with their hands raised. I see people with their hands across their heart and I see tears pouring down their face. And I'm going, that person's got a story. That person has a story of redemption because they know that God has forgiven their past. They know what they've done. They know what they've been through and they're thanking God. This song is just reminding them of his love see your guilt will remind you but it needs to remind you of God's love for you it doesn't need to define you because you're not what you did you're now his the third thing is you forfeit the right to condemn others you can't hold other people to a higher standard than than God holds you to God doesn't condemn you so you can't condemn somebody else you'd be a hypocrite Says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. This is what God is offering you. You need to offer that to everybody in your circle, everybody that you see. You can't condemn somebody else. I think about the woman, the woman that was caught in adultery. Remember the woman caught in adultery and, and the Pharisees, they're dragging her, they're dragging her through Jerusalem. In front of everybody. They're humiliating her in front of everybody. And they drag her up the steps of the temple mount. And they take her onto the temple mount. And they just throw her at the feet of Jesus. And they start telling him what she did. The awful things that she did. And because of what she did. She deserves to die. She deserves to be stoned to death. And Jesus looks at them. Looks at the accusers. The people that are condemning her. And he says, all right do it. You without sin cast the first stone. And this is what's so brilliant about Jesus. He knew where he was standing. He was standing on the temple mount. He knew that every single one of those people accusing her had climbed those steps to get up to the temple mount with their own sacrifice that they placed on the altar to be forgiven for what they've done. He knew every single one of them had to get forgiven. But they weren't willing to forgive her. And she says, you without sin cast the first stone. One by one, they all leave. You can't condemn somebody. You forfeit that right because you've been set free. And the last thing, you're now free to make restitution. You're now free to make restitution And it's restitution without excuse, without any expectations. Because what I want to tell you this, this is not Christianity. This is not Christianity. When you hurt somebody and you feel guilty for hurting somebody and so you go home and you ask God to forgive you and he forgives you and you think everything is fine. That's not Christianity. Christianity is I hurt you I feel guilty. I go and ask God to forgive me and he gives me what I don't deserve. So now I go to you and I give you what you do deserve. You're now free to go make restitution with somebody you've hurt because you're not condemned. You're guilty, but you're not condemned. Romans 12, it says, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is about you. This is not about the response. You go and apologize for what you've done. You make restitution for what you've done. It's not about whether they'll accept it, whether they'll forgive you, whether they'll get back into that relationship. This is about you cleaning out your heart. You're now free to make restitution. And when you humble yourself and you go to somebody that you've hurt, you just might be unlocking this bitterness that they've been holding on to that is stopping them from moving forward with their life. So I have to ask this question before we go. It's a hard question. Don't really want to ask it, but I think that's why God wanted me to talk about this today. Who have you hurt? Who do you need to go make restitution with? Who is walking around with the hurt and the shrapnel from what you've done to them? And they've just been waiting for you to come and help them let go of this bitterness, to let go of what they've been feeling for so long. And I know the fear of the consequences of standing up for what you've done, a lot of times are greater than the fear of just keeping it silent, keeping it concealed. But what you have to understand, as long as you keep it concealed, it stays in here and it controls everything that comes out of you. If you wanna walk in freedom, you need to go forward because you're guilty, but you're not condemned. And you make that restitution. And when you do that, you can say, my past will remind me, but it's not gonna define me. In fact, I want us all say that before we go I don't care if you didn't think this message was for you or not, I just want us to say this. Say, my past will remind me, it will not define me. Let's say it one more time. My past will remind me, it will not define me. Because when you're in Christ, you're his and you're not condemned because there is now no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the fact that you see all that we've done, you know all of our misdeeds, all of our mess-ups, all of our failures, all of our frustrations, and you love us anyway. You loved us so much that you let your son die on the cross for all of our misdeeds and all of our frustrations. And then because of his 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 death, his burial, and his resurrection, we now can stand before you uncondemned. We stand free in you. And God help us to walk in that freedom. Help us to clean out of our heart of the, the guilts that we hold on to, the shames that we hold on to. Help us to make restitution because it's not only great for them to help them move on, but it helps us move on. We've been controlled by our past for far too long. Help us to let go of those things and to know the freedom that's found in you. God, if there's anybody here this morning or somebody that's watching online that has never stepped into that relationship, that is still under the, the law of sin and death, Help them to make that step. If that's you, if that's you, right where you're sitting, just recognize to God, I realize that I'm not perfect. That I make mistakes and I, I've hurt people and I feel this guilt. I feel this weight and I want to let go of this weight. And so I want to put my life in your hands, Jesus. I realize what you did for me on the cross and I realize what you did three days later and I believe that. That's you. If you said that, you believe it. You're now in Christ. You have a new heart. You can walk in this freedom. Be like Paul. Make restitution. Go forward and make a difference. God, help us to to walk in your ways as we leave this place. We love you and praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you did make a decision, we'd love for you to come pray with somebody and, and talk to them about that. For all of you that were wondering what Lani was talking about, because I was talking about it too, the book is called Bose Cafe, B O. S, Bose Cafe. And that's really what um, inspiration of this, this message uh, this morning was about as well. Be back next weekend because Bill is starting a brand new series called New Normal. It's going to be awesome. And bring somebody with you. I hope you have a great weekend and go Cowboys. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.